0: It's always a blessing to be able to share some of the issues of my life, experiences, and some of them good, some of them not so enjoyable. But I would like to help you understand tonight that some of the things that are not enjoyable are definitely for our advantage in the long run and definitely advantage for the kingdom of God. Years ago I was in ministry. We had a ministry that's been going since uh, December of 73, and I was doing a lot of speaking, but something was going on within me that I couldn't explain. There was like a deadness within me. It wasn't depression, because in Norm, I was happy and enjoyed family things and enjoyed other things, but when it came to reading the Bible, praying, getting ready for my sermons, teachings, whatever I might have been doing, there was an emptiness there. There was a distance there from the one that I wanted to be anointed by, the one that I was depending on to give me wisdom to prepare, to give me the wisdom to know how to find stuff and put it in with my teaching. And so... I went through this for a number of months. Now here's a problem. It was pride that kept me from saying anything. I didn't want people to think I'm not spiritual because that's what I felt like. I was not close to God. I was not hearing from God. I was not discerning what he was saying. And it was we had Friday night meetings and it was hurting those meetings. I had trouble coming up with teachings, and it bothered me a lot, but my pride wouldn't let me just be honest and say to those around me, our prayer group, my wife, whatever my family, if needed to be, I just didn't have the humility to say, I'm really going through a valley here, but I didn't do that because the enemy is always just about here with his arrows, shooting thoughts into your mind, wondering if I'd failed God, wondering if I'd grieved him. Was he angry with me had he forsaken me? Was he leaving me hanging with a ministry and no father to get me through it, no Lord to guide me, no Holy Spirit to inspire me? Was that what was happening? And it bothered me a lot, but I could not humble myself to go to the people I was at least submitted to in our ministry and say, I'm having struggles here. I should have done it. They would have started praying for me in a way that probably I needed more than anything else. And so one of the people that were friends of our ministry they had a ski chalet up north, just a small one, but it was sufficient. They said to me one day, if you ever want to get away, we would give you our ski chalet, because we use it very seldom. And I latched onto that. Said, yes, I need to get away hoping that God would be there, hoping he would manifest, hoping the wand of blessing or the word of encouragement or getting slain in the spirit because of his presence, whatever it might have been, I just was hoping that he would be there. So I spent about three days there. But in one of those days, I believe it was probably the second, wasn't the third, I don't believe it was the first, I was really anxious because he wasn't showing up, I was doing my reading, I was praying as best I could, and yet he wasn't showing up with his miraculous power to lift me out of the pit that the Bible talks about, Job talks about it, David talks about out of this pit, this miry clay, and to set me up in a rock, he wasn't doing that. And all the time, the enemy was right there whispering with his flaming arrows saying, the Lord has forsaken you. There's there's something wrong in your walk with the Lord. He doesn't want you anymore. You're just plowing with your own strength. You're not using the Holy Spirit to get the harvest prepared. And so it was really a hard couple of days. So in my boredom, I happened to look in on a bookshelf that was right there in that little living room. And there was a little book simply called Discipleship. And it wasn't from the men that taught on discipleship later. This was by a man named Stephen Foster. He was a Quaker layman. But he wrote this book just on how we should disciple people. And so out of my desire to do something to pass the time so I could go on home and be miserable I was reading it or well, one of his sections had a title to it that was totally outside of what he was basically saying in that book he called that little section the dark night of the soul and I begin to read that and at first I just assumed it was something that he put in there, but all of a sudden I started to say, he's talking about me. He's talking about the lack of presence, the lack of anointing, the lack of, of being able to discern what the Holy Spirit is saying. And he's talking about me, and I began to realize it. And when I was finished with his, probably no more than a page and a half of his description of the dark night of the soul, and in that he was talking about his time, he was talking about many others, especially leaders, that God is preparing for a higher level of minister, a higher level of service. I didn't say more important than anybody else or more important than you were before. Just a greater responsibility. A promotion in the kingdom of God means a lower level of serving. If you want to know the truth, and as I read that, I felt this burden just lift off me. All of a sudden, it was gone. The reason it was gone—not because I had an angel stand before me or the voice of God coming over the rafters—it was gone. It was gone because suddenly, I understood. I understood that all the whisperings of the enemy were simply lies because I understood God takes us through this in order to get our attention to stop us where we're going and to get us to a place where he can now start ministering to us and teaching us for that higher level of service, that lower level of serving, however you want to put it. And you see, I begin to see stuff in the scriptures. After that three-day thing was finished, and I had this release, I had this, it was just like a presence of the Lord came back. It wasn't, you know, the goose bump type of presence. It wasn't where your hair in the back of your head stands up. or anything. It was just a peacefulness again, just a rest that I was so excited about. And i begin to realize, not only do leaders today, and maybe, maybe people that are not even in leadership might experience, but I know leadership, I sense have read others that have gone through the same, let me call it a wilderness, a dark night, a blackout time when your spiritual internet isn't working, And I begin to realize even in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's possible that Jesus went through that when he was in the wilderness for 40 days. We don't know. He doesn't talk about it. He just said he was there. The enemy was there. Wild animals looked after him. And the Lord looked after his hunger and thirst. But he was hungry and thirsty. But I know back in the Old Testament, I found that David obviously was going through something like this. Listen to what he says in Psalm 55. This is verses 4 to 8, Psalm 55, 4 to 8. I'm reading New International Version. If you have New King James or the old King James, you'll find the same thing except a few other words might be changed. My heart is in anguish within me, he said. I knew that. was It was awful to know that God had forsaken me, I have to, f- to feel his absence. David says, it was anguish within me. The terrors of death assailed me. In other words, am I going to die and never experience the anointing in the presence of the Lord again? I should insert this, though. There's one thing that happened through that all. When I was speaking, either in our meetings or somewhere else, the presence of the Lord would still come and anoint what I was saying. I couldn't understand that. I would struggle through setting up a teaching. I would struggle with every verse, every word, every thought. And yet when I taught it, it would start to flow in an anointing. So I should have known from that that there was something other than just something soulish or physical that God had forsaken me. So David says, the terrors of death assail me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Boy, I I agreed with that. Horror has overwhelmed me, horror of thinking, what will I do? The ministry will fold up if I can't get a hold of God. And David says, I said to myself, Oh, that I had the wings of a dove I would fly away and be at rest I would flee away and stay in the desert I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and storm and in a sense my being up at that ski chalet was exactly what I'd done except I was only there three days, I was going to have to go back David was talking about I want to go there and stay there And I could have stayed there. There was peace in that place. I didn't have to get a sermon prepared. I didn't have to counsel anybody. I didn't have to do anything except just rest. So I could have stayed there, but they knew I couldn't. There's also a man named Korah who was one of the, he led the praise in Thanksgiving times with song and stuff. And Korah, in Psalm 88, listen Listen to his turmoil. He says in verse 3, My soul is full of trouble, and my life draws near the grave. In other words, he felt the, the absence of the presence of the Lord so great as almost as if he felt like he was going to die. Verse 4, I'm accounted among those who go down to the pit. I'm like a man without strength. In other words, he said, I'm alongside of people going down into the the pit, the hell. I'm going down with them. Verse 5, I'm set apart with the dead like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. Now, What he was going through was maybe more than just a dark night in the soul what he was going through could have been depression but i want to look at it just as a dark night of soul from my experience i want to cause him to come in and help you understand what it's all about for sex you have put me in the lowest pit in the deepest the darkest depths your wrath lays heavily upon me. So even felt judgment coming. I felt that judgment. I'm being judged for something that I've done. I'm being judged for my neglect. I'm being judged for this or for that. All that, And Car was experiencing the same. He says, Lord, you have overwhelmed me with all your waves. It's like an ocean, wave after wave, wave of doubt. Wave of despair, wave of hunger for the Lord. All those waves are coming over. And verse 8 says, You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. Oh, I felt that when I couldn't get my notes together. I couldn't come up with the topic sometimes. My eyes were dim. I couldn't see what the Lord wanted. I called you, O Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. And in this way, that's what I had done when I went to that ski chalet. Lord God, if you don't meet with me, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't think anyone, not even my wife, knew what I was going through. The ministry didn't seem to know what I was going through. Because when I wasn't trying to study, wasn't trying to compile notes, wasn't trying to hear from the Lord, it was a normal life for me. So I knew it wasn't depression. So what was God's purpose? God always has a reason. He says that in Scripture. Whatever I do, I have a reason for it, the prophets, the Old Testament say. I have reason for it. So he had reason when he was dealing with me. He had reason. Uh, Let me put it another way. He had a plan. And in that plan of moving me into a different area of ministry, in that plan, If I had rolled up my sleeves and said, I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to go fishing, as Peter said way back after Jesus was crucified. I'm just going to get a job and get out of here. Now, I know there are many people that do that. They don't understand what's going on in this dark night. They don't realize that God is bringing them through a valley where there's no sunshine. When it comes to studying the word and being with the Lord, we're going through this valley, but he has a reason for it. As a matter of fact, we like the the hilltops where his glory is all around us. We don't like the valleys, but it's the valleys where we learn the most. And so it's important that we learn to accept what he's doing, and I trust this teaching will touch people's lives that would be listening to this. Trust will trust touch your life. If you're going through something like this, that you will realize, I understand now that God is in this. I Understand, It's a training session. It's a cleansing session. It's an, a session where I'm going to be prepared for what he has for me in the days to come. I am not going to let the enemy discourage me. I'm not going to listen to his lies anymore. I am telling you, Lord, I am with you even though I'm not aware of you, even though it's hard to get things together on paper, even though I may be discouraged in my time with you and my quiet time when you don't show up, even though, Lord God, I'm not going to give up. And you see, if we give up, what does God do to fill that place that you were supposed to go into? The answer probably is he has no one, at least for the time being. Cause it has to start over for someone else and circumstances change and the people's lives that are affected in that block of time when I should be in there but I'm not because I gave up. What happens to those people's lives only the Lord knows. But I don't want to be responsible for people that gave up on the Lord and went back into the world or gave up ministering and back to getting a secular job. I don't want to be responsible so Lord any time I go through a dark night of the soul, give me the courage to hold on, give me the understanding to hang in there, not to give up. After I had read that article, he was a young Quaker man that obviously loved the Lord and knew what it was to experience his hand of discipline. I started asking me questions. I said to myself, if I had known ahead of time what I was going to go through in this ministry, would I have said yes to this ministry? Because just a year and a half into our ministry, the company I worked for was a large international company, one of the largest ones in a certain industry I was in. And they're offering me a promotion And if I had known what lie ahead in the years that followed, I might have said no to the Lord and said yes to that promotion. But as it turns out, I didn't know. And I said yes because the ministry, it was only a year and a half old, was getting exciting, it was growing, it was powerful, we're seeing good fruit from it. And I said to the Lord, I can't take that promotion. I shared it with my wife and she knew right well I couldn't take it. Because the Lord was calling us out. It left the company after nine years and went full-time in the ministry. But if I had known, a year and a half later, if I would known what was coming, took a spin out of orbit and did things in the ministry that really hurt it, set it back a bit. But we hung in there and God has blessed it anyway. But if I had known, I don't know what my decision would have been. But it was after all that had happened that I went through this dark night of the soul. And now I'm saying, Lord, if I had known a way back then. And the Lord started to remind me of something. A thousand years before, the prophets knew, Isaiah knew. I'm sorry. A thousand years before, David knew. And David was talking about the things that Jesus would go through, this Messiah that was coming, betrayed by his friends, and so on. And then Isaiah sixty years before, in in Isaiah 52 and 53, what a graphic picture he drew there of what the Messiah was going to go through. And you see, the Holy Spirit was telling those two men, this is what the Messiah will go through. It says, Isaiah said of Jesus, he would be beaten so terribly you wouldn't even recognize him. He would be des- despised. He would be hated. He'd be rejected by his own people. Even his own disciples would betray him and, despi- and, and get away from him in fear of being arrested. Totally rejected by his own people. Because the Holy Spirit was telling these two men what Jesus was going to go through. Jesus, of course, knew all about it. He knew what he was going to go through. He knew the suffering, the rejection. He spoke of it many times, even after he was here to the disciples. He knew what he was going to go through because he knew what the Holy Spirit had told David and Isaiah. So I said to myself, if Jesus knew the rejection, the pain, then I pray that if I ever go through it again, I will face it and say, Lord, it's all right. You are with me. I will go through the pain. I will go through the persecution. There's hundreds and thousands of people around the world right at this moment that you're listening going through severe persecution. Because Jesus prophesied, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you, he said to this crowd. And so I need to understand that, yes, there is persecution. Yes, there is trials. There is rejection. There is pain. There may be death. But I'm going to hang on there. And I say that to anybody listening in a country where there's persecution. Stand firm. Cry out to God for strength. Pray for your captors. Pray for those that despitefully use you, Jesus said. Pray that they'd get saved. And the Lord will be with you and bring you through. And if you die, there's a crown of life for you. But I believe in Revelation that talks about a thousand-year reign. For those who are willing to lay down their life for Jesus, you qualify for a thousand-year reign. With no enemies, no sin, no disease, no mosquitoes, no black flies, no no snakes that bite and kill you. Nothing. The ox will eat with the lion and the lamb will lay down with the cobra. The child will play over the asp's nest, the snake's nest. Why? Because you've qualified by death. I've told the Lord I want to be part of that thousand year thousand years, that's a long time. The thing that I also learned from this was simply, he was checking out my motive. Why do you serve me, Howard? Is it because of the blessing I promised you? Is it because of meeting your financial needs, which you had been doing? Is it because I've given you health? Is it because I've given you a nice family and wonderful boys and all the things in the ministry which is going good, the loyal people we have within that ministry? Is that why you're serving me? And and the invitations to do weekends or to do Sunday mornings uh, where people honor you and, and, and thank you, is that why you're serving me? And he had to bring me to a point where I stopped and I said, Father, even though all of that stops, if all the blessing stops, the whole covenant is never fulfilled by you because I have sinned, which technically cancels the covenant you made. Even though you've forgiven me, the covenant, I broke it. I don't deserve to be forgiven. Even though all that stuff is taken, yet will I serve you, yet will I honor you, yet will I bow down and praise you and worship you with my forehead on the ground. That's what he was after, that I would be his child, not for the benefits, but I would be his child because of who he is. He is God. He is the God of this universe. He is the one totally in charge. The mess we're in is because they give responsibility of leadership and and rulership to man, and we have messed it out. God's waiting for us to cry out to him to restore this earth through revival. If we will call out to him, but he's a gentleman. He waits to be asked back in to that rulership. That's why prayer is so important. And I said to God, yes, I will serve you. And I maintain that position today. Yes, I will serve you. Regardless, Lord God, regardless, I, I need to say also, Lord, even if I never get to heaven, even if there is no heaven, I will still serve you. Because I've experienced too much of the joy and the peace that comes from knowing you that I would never give it up. Then again, if that joy and that peace was gone like it was for a period of time, I still say, Lord, I will still serve you. I will. You know, sometimes we try to deal with these issues of the black night of the soul. He says in Isaiah 50, verse 11, All you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go walk in the light of your fires and of the torches you have set ablaze. This is what you shall receive from my hand. You will lie down in torment. In other words, don't try to fix it yourself. Come to me. Come to me. Now, the Lord is the light. I must end, so watch. Psalm 94, verse 12. Blessed is the man... You discipline, O oh Lord, the man you teach from your law. You grant him relief from days of trouble till a pit is dug for the wicked. For the Lord will not reject his people. He'll never forsake his inheritance. I need to always tell the devil, God has not forsaken me. In Psalm 16, verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me because he is my right hand. He has not forsaken me. So thank you, Lord, for each person listening. Lead them to repentance of their doubts, their unbelief. Open up hope for them, Lord God, that they will know beyond any doubt that you have not forsaken them. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. Amen, my Lord. Amen, my Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I was